That's it. That was your cue. What was my cue? That right there. You're supposed to say, Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. Masterpiece Audio Theatre Presents. That's right. Then you say, Myths from Around the World. Myths from Around the World. Okay, and a stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast. A stranded in the middle of nowhere podcast? Well, where are we? How are we going to get home? I'm going to get scared. Everything will be all right, trust me. This is a continuation from the Dog Days of Podcasting 2022. Hello and welcome back to Masterpiece Audio Theater. Quick, sit down at the fire, grab up a grab up a stool, grab up a chair, grab a blanket, grab a snuggle buddy if you got one. We're going to get into episode 10 of this here story, Christmas Carol. This is episode 10, part 10, uh, despite all the confusion that might have happened before. Okay, we just met Bob Cratchit and his family, and now we're moving on to guess who? That's right, me, playing the nephew. All right, here's episode 10. By this time it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily, and as Scrooge and the Spirit went along the street, the brightness of the roaring fires in the kitchen parlours and all sorts of rooms was wonderful. Here the flickering of the blaze shadowed preparations for a cosy dinner, with hot plates baking through and through before the fire, and deep red curtains ready to be drawn to shut out the cold and darkness. There, all the children of the house were running out into the snow to meet their merry sisters, brothers, cousins, uncles, aunts, and to be the first to greet them. Here again were the shadows on the window blinds of guests assembling, and there a group of handsome girls, all hooded and fur-booted and chattering at once, tipped lightly off to some near neighbor's house where, woe upon the single men who saw them enter, artful witches they well knew it, in a glow, but... If you had to judge from the numbers of people on their way to friendly gathering, you might have thought that no one was at home to give them welcome when they got there, instead of every house expecting company, and piling up its fires half chimney high, blessing on it how the ghost exalted, how it bared its breadth of breast, and opened its capacious palm, and floated on, outpouring with a generous hand its bright and harmless mirth on everything within its reach. The very lamplighter, who ran on before, dotting the dusky streets with specks of light, who had dressed to spend the evening elsewhere, laughed aloud as the spirit passed, though little kenned the lamplighter that he had any company but Christmas. And now, without a word of warning from the ghost, they stood upon the bleak and deserted moor, where monstrous masses of rude stone were cast about, as though it were a burial place or giants, and water spread itself wherever it listed, or would have done so but for the frost that held it prisoner, and nothing grew but the moss and the fruzz and the coarse rank grass. Down in the west the setting sun had left a streak of fiery red which glared upon the desolation for an instant, like a sullen eye, and frowning lower, lower, lower yet, was lost in one thick gloom of darkest night. "'What place is this?' asked Scrooge. "'A place where miners live, who labour in the bowels of the earth,' returned the spirit. "'But they know me, see?' 
A light shone from the window of a hut, and swiftly they advanced towards it. Passing through the wall of mud and stone, they found a cheerful company assembled round a glowing fire. An old, old man and woman, with their children and their children's children, and another generation beyond that, all decked out gaily in their holiday attire. The old man, in a voice that seldom rose above the howling of the wind upon the barren wastes, was singing them a Christmas song. It had been a very old song when he was a boy, and from time to time they all joined in the chorus. So surely as they raised their voices, the old man got quite blithe and loud, and so surely as they stopped, his vigour sank again. The spirit did not tarry here, but bade Scrooge to hold his robe, and, passing on above the moor, stepped whither. Not to see to see, to Scrooge's horror, looking back as he saw the last level of land, a frightful range of rocks behind them, and his ears were deafened by the thundering of the water as it rolled and roared and raged among the dreadful caverns it had worn, and fiercely tried to undermine the earth. Built upon a dismal leaf of sunken rock, some league or so from shore, on which the waters chafed and dashed, the wild years through, there stood a solitary lighthouse. Great heaps of seaweed clung to its base, and storm birds, born of the wind, one might suppose, as seaweed of the water, rose and fell about it like the waves they skimmed. But even here, two men who watched the light had made a fire that through the loophole in the thick stone wall shed out a ray of brightness on the awful sea. Joining their horny hands over their rough table at which they sat, they wished each other a merry Christmas in that can of grog, and one of them, the elder too, with his face all damaged and scarred with hard weather, as a figurehead of an old ship might be, struck up a sturdy song that was like a gale in itself. Again the ghost sped on, above the black and heaving sea, on and on until, being far away, as he told Scrooge from any shore, they lighted on a ship, they stood beside the helmsman at the wheel and looked out the bow, the officers who had the watch, dark, ghostly figures in their several stations. But every man among them hummed a Christmas tune, or had a Christmas thought, or spoke below his breath to his companion of some bygone Christmas day, with homeward hopes belonging to it. And every man on board, waking or sleeping, good or bad, had a kinder word for one another on that day than any other day in the year, and had shared to some extent in its festivities, and had remembered those he cared for at a distance, and had known that they had delighted to remember him. It was a great surprise to Scrooge, while listening to the moaning of the wind, and thinking what a solemn thing it was to move through the lonely darkness over an unknown abyss, whose depths were secrets as profound as death. It was a great surprise to Scrooge, while thus engaged, to hear the hearty laugh. It was a much greater surprise to Scrooge to recognize it as his own nephew's and to find himself in a bright, dry, gleaming room with a spirit standing smiling by his side and looking at the same nephew with approving affability. Ha ha ha! laughed Scrooge's nephew. Ha 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 ha! If you should happen by any unlikely chance to know a man more blessed in laugh than Scrooge's nephew, all I can say is, I should like to know him. Introduce him to me, and I shall cultivate his acquaintance. It is a fair, even-handed, noble adjustment of things, that, while there is an infection and disease and sorrow, there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humour. When Scrooge's nephew laughed in this way, holding his sides, rolling his head, and twisting his face into the most extravagant contortions, Scrooge's niece, by marriage, laughed as heartily as he, and their assembled friends, being not a bit behind-handed, roared out lustily. Ha 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 ha! He said that Christmas was a humbug, as I live! 
said Scrooge's nephew. He believed it too! More shame for him, Fred, said Scrooge's niece indignantly. Bless these women. They never do anything by halves. They are always in earnest. She was very pretty, exceedingly pretty, with a dimple, surprising-looking, capital face, a ripe little mouth that seemed to be made to kiss, and no doubt it was, all kinds of good little dots about her chin that melted onto one another when she laughed, and the sunniest pair of eyes you ever saw in any little creature's head. Altogether, she was what you would have called provoking, you know, but satisfactory too. Oh, perfectly satisfactory. He's a comical old fellow, said Scrooge's nephew. That's the truth, and not so pleasant as he might be. However, his offenses carry his own punishment, and I have nothing to say against him. I'm sure he's very rich, Fred, hinted Scrooge's niece. At least you always tell me so. What of that, my dear, said Scrooge's nephew. His wealth is of no use to him. He don't do any good with it. He don't make himself comfortable with it. He hasn't the satisfaction of thinking <laughs> that he's ever going to benefit us with it. I have no patience with him. Observed Scrooge's niece. Scrooge's niece's sisters and all the other ladies expressed the same opinion. Oh, I have, said Scrooge's nephew. I am sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself always. Here he takes it into his head to dislike us, and he won't come to dine with us. What's the consequence? He don't lose much of a dinner. Indeed, I think he loses a very good dinner, interrupted Scrooge's niece. Everybody else said the same, and they must be allowed to, to have been competent judges, because they had just had the dinner and, with the dessert upon the table, were clustered around the fire by lamplight. Well, I'm very glad to hear it, said Scrooge's nephew, because I haven't had any great faith in these young housekeepers. What do you say, Topper? Topper had clearly got his eye upon one of Scrooge's niece's sisters, for he answered that a bachelor was a wretched outcast, who had no right to express an opinion on the subject. Whereat Scrooge's niece's sister, the plump one with the lace tucker, not the one with the roses, blushed. Do go on, Fred, said Scrooge's niece, clapping her hands. He never finishes what he begins to say. He is such a ridiculous fellow. Scrooge's nephew reveled in another laugh, and as it was impossible to keep the infection off, though the plump sister tried hard to do with aromatic vinegar, his example was unanimously followed. I was only going to say, said Scrooge's nephew, that the consequences of his taking a dislike to us and not making merry with us is, as I think, that he loses some pleasant moments, which can do him no harm. I'm sure he loses pleasanter companions when he can find his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or in his dusty chambers. I mean to give him the same chance every year, whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. He may rail at Christmas till he dies, but he can't help thinking better of it. I defy him. If he finds me going there in good temper year after year and saying, Uncle Scrooge, how are you? If it only puts him to the vein to leave his poor clerk 50 pounds, that's something. And I think I shook him yesterday. It was their turn to laugh now at the notion of this shaking Scrooge. But, being thoroughly good-natured and not much caring of what they laughed at so that they laughed at any rate, he encouraged them to enjoy in their merriment and pass the bottle joyously. You have been listening to Empath Studios' presentation of The Myths from Around the World, a special Dog Days of Podcasting contribution. 
sound clips are from GarageBand and can be found in their samples library. The stories that we have shared can be found at gutenberg.org. We can be found on Facebook on the Masterpiece Audio Theatre page, on nimlast.org, or you can email us at j at jglangjams.com. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 unported license. Thanks for joining us.